Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. A couple of NBA stories grabbed my attention this week, and we're going to touch on them and just uh, get a general feel for where the teams are slightly past the quarter pole in this year's NBA season. Our very own from CBSSports.com, NBA insider writer James Herbert joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How you been, James? I'm good. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Um, I watch a lot of legal shows on TV from time to time. This job uh, kind of pushes me to be a lawyer on the radio, even though I never went to law school. I appreciate the law, and I like those law shows on TV. And one of the things I always profess is don't ask a question that you don't already know the answer to if you're a lawyer and you're uh, questioning a witness. I'm going to do that with you. I probably should know the answer to this question, but I don't. And if you don't know the answer to it, don't sweat it. It's probably an unfair question for me, but I'm going to ask it of you anyway. How do they determine who the player of the week in the NBA is? (laughs) Uh, That is an extremely opaque process. Uh, I know that it is determined by, like, the NBA itself, um, but I'm not sure exactly how it works beyond. I I know teams generally uh, can submit players for consideration to the league. The, the actual criteria, that, that kind of escapes me. But I usually don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. I guess this past week was the one exception, though, like when <laughs> Carmelo Anthony uh, came away with Western Conference Player of the Week in a week where James Harden uh, dropped 60 in like 30 minutes. So that, 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 that was absolutely the exception to the rule. Understood, and that is exactly why I'm asking the question. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, I hear it on Mondays. They'll throw it on the updates. Oh, he won player of the week. Good for him. And then it's gone. Uh, when I heard that Carmelo won it, I said, well, good for Carmelo. But really, did I miss something? Did he, like, have a 40-point game? Did he go nuts? I know he's got a couple good games. I check the box scores all the time. But nothing yeah. stood out to me. And I went back and double-checked it. He had over 20 or three games. Uh, you mentioned Harden getting the 60. Luka Doncic had a 40-point game. And, oh, by the way, the Mavs went in and beat the Lakers in L.A. I know Portland went 3-0, and but they beat the Bulls well, twice. They, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> some other team that's well below 500, I forget who it was. was it, it Thunder, perhaps? Um, but Thunder, yeah. I mean, yeah they, Thunder, they, right. Yeah, they, they were not impressive wins. I mean, they, were, like, they were games against teams with, like, poor defenses. Like, the Bulls especially. Like, the, the way that the Bulls have played defense this year, like, just – blitzing and trapping the point guard in the pick and roll basically every possession they were just gifting carmelo open shots and my credit to him he was making them but that was not like old school classic carmelo just like isoing to death and like hitting difficult shots and putting the team on his back no like he was getting like wide 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 open looks so is that like a career thank you to carmelo feel badly that you've been out of the league for a couple of months no you didn't want to retire yet with throw your bone type of war. I again, it doesn't really mean anything. You don't play that. It's your job to pay attention to it. You don't pay attention to it. It's my job to pay attention to it. I don't pay attention to it. But it did grab my attention. 
Do you just think it was a career thank you to Carmelo that they do something like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't so ridiculous. Like, it's not as if he had a bad week. Like, he played well, and I think they wanted, uh, the league wanted to recognize that. I mean, obviously, Luka Doncic is going to have many, many, many more opportunities to win player of the week in his young career. Uh, not that I really think he'll be celebrating them, but I, I mean, I think Harden also, like, the Rockets only played two games that week, and most of the time the player of the week doesn't go to a player on a team that only plays twice. So, like, you can defend it. There is some rationale for it. But I got the same feeling you did, which was just this is a nice sort of uplifting, heartwarming story. Uh, and the league wants to kind of promote the fact that Carmelo was playing well. There are a lot of us out there, like, I will fully cop to thinking this Portland experiment would end poorly. Uh, I did not expect them to be guaranteeing this contract over the course of the season this soon, and they have done that. And he has fit in, I, I think, about as well as they could have expected. So, uh, I mean, I, I credit him for the way he's played. I don't think he was the best player in the Western Conference that week, but I'm also not, like, outraged by it either. Yeah, you got to be a bad guy to uh, nitpick a feel-good story, but that's me. I'm a bad guy. What can I tell you? <laughs> Uh, James Herbert here with us uh, from CBSSports.com talking NBA. I I mentioned a Doncic, and I thought he should have gotten it. The win in L.A., the Lakers have been phenomenal. I watched them last night on TV. It was a LeBron and A.D. show. They combined for 70 points, uh, and those two have been phenomenal, and others have chipped in and chimed in, and they've got the best record in the league. Uh, At the beginning of the year, most people put the Clippers and the Lakers on top of the West in some certain kind of order. Most had the Clippers on top. I know that they played an easier schedule than the Clippers, but they've also put up a better record than the Clippers. And to me, at least eyeballs telling me more impressive than the Clippers. Did you think the Lakers could could get off to this good a start? Uh, They've been a lot better than I thought they would be at the beginning. I thought of those two teams, the Clippers had the roster that more naturally fit and made sense, even with Paul George sidelined at first. I just thought that the Lakers would have a, a pretty steep learning curve in terms of establishing chemistry, getting guys on the same page, even just Frank Vogel managing the rotations because uh, they don't have as many two-way players as, as the Clippers do. They, they don't have, uh, you know, an identity the same way that just felt as, like, easy as, as the Clippers have. Uh, but I think the Clippers have actually been the less consistent team so far this year, which is, which is surprising. Uh, but I, I will say this is a long year. And as great as the Clippers are feel, as the Lakers, excuse me, are feeling right now, and as much as the Clippers are sort of uh, having, I don't, I don't know that it would be an identity crisis or anything, but I mean, if you look at the quotes after the loss against the Bucks and what they were talking about, about their communication needing to get better and about their chemistry needing to get better, like that's what they're saying now, but I'm more interested in what they're saying a couple of months from now. And then a couple of months after that, like the, the season has its ebbs and flows, and I think these two teams are absolutely championship contenders. And at the beginning of the year, I would have said the Clippers have a slight edge if they were going to meet, and I, I still kind of feel that way, uh, even though the Lakers have probably been the more impressive team of the two so far. Uh, James, I've been doing this national thing for a couple of years. But I've been doing sports talk in New York for over 30 years. And I feel way too many calls all of the years that uh, when either a top-flight player who reaches free agency or a big-time coach or executive, for that matter, doesn't take the job with the New York Knicks, it's because they're afraid of the New York media and they're afraid of the New York fan base, that they are so judgmental here in this town and you're under such a microscope. That's why a great coach or a great player, when LeBron James didn't come, he didn't want the challenge of playing in New York. 
Well, you can't make that argument anymore. The Knicks have just been that bad. If somebody doesn't want to take the Knicks job as the head coach now, it's because it just doesn't make sense to do it. The team is bad. It's dysfunctional. The owner isn't good. Who the hell are you going to get to coach this team next now that they fired David Fisdale? I wish I had an answer for you. I'm standing. I'm at, at Madison Square Garden right now. I'm at really? Mike Miller's first game. Yes. Uh, so I'm missing a little bit of the third quarter to do this. But um, honestly, like if you look at what David Fisdale kind of walked into in New York, I mean, Christoph Porzingis was on the team, and then he, soon after that, you had the organization sort of projecting all these messages about how they were going to strike big in free agency, and he talked a big game in terms of how he wanted this team to look and the kind of the style of basketball that he wanted to play. And he just never had the horses. He never had the pieces to play the kind of basketball uh, that that he wanted to coach in New York. The team didn't really develop much of an identity uh, under, under David Fisdale. I don't think you can look at what he did here and say like, Oh, he did a great job or anything like that. Uh, But I just don't think that this sort of worked out fairly him i think if he ended up having a team that made sense in terms of uh having enough playmakers having enough two-way players having enough shooting having just a natural hierarchy instead of a whole bunch of guys that are sort of on the same level uh then i think maybe he could have been a good coach for a team like that but it just didn't work out and he didn't get a chance to see things through and he had you know a a free agent hall last summer that the front office tried to come out and, and sell to us uh eventually at media day months after uh, that all happened, but like I didn't buy it. I don't think most people bought it, and the, the results so far, I, like to me, haven't been particularly surprising. But that, that's not on Fizdale. That, that's on the front office. So uh, whoever comes in here next, like they're going to be aware of what has happened for the last few head coaches that have come into Madison Square Garden that have taken on that burden that you talked about of trying to save this team and put them in the right, right direction. Finally, uh, it just it hasn't ended well for any of them. And I, I'm assuming Mike Miller is going to stay as the head coach for a while, and while is probably the rest of the season, and they'll wait till the offseason to try and find their next full-time head coach, which is oftentimes less than two years, but I digress. Yeah. Will Steve well, Mills be a major driving force in picking that next guy, or is he also going to be unemployed by the time the Knicks get their next full-time head coach? Well, you never know, because I, I don't think anybody would have predicted that he would have come back to this organization the last time that he did right and then that he would stick around after they hired bill jackson like this is a man that obviously has expertise in surviving uh at <laughs> like in this organization even if you doubt his expertise of like assembling a basketball team so I, I i don't know i think uh i the sort of popular response is that the knicks would be crazy to let the same front office pick the next coach and that's why they have mike miller as, as the inter- interim coach right now, but I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself and just assume that that is going to happen. I, I believe the reports that they're obsessed with Masai Ujiri and I'm thinking about trying to lure Sam Presti or, or somebody else if they can't get Masai, uh, but I don't know if those pursuits will be fruitful and I don't know what their backup plans are and where Steve Mills might figure into all of that. All right, one team that has surprised me, and I want to get your take on them, has been the Celtics. Uh, before the year started, yeah. most people thought Philly and Milwaukee were the top two teams in the East. Personally, I thought it was the Bucks doing shows down in Philly. Everyone in Philly thought they were the, the East championship and the East ran through Philadelphia. I didn't necessarily agree, and Giannis and company are off to a great start. But the Celtics are running a real good second in the East. 
Now, they lose Kyrie Irving, they lose Al Horford. Uh, they add a good piece that I think is actually a better fit. But And sure enough, uh, they get Hayward back, and he's starting to look like the Hayward from Utah, and he goes out with an injury. And the Celtics just keep winning games. Who should be the main guy getting credit for the Celtics being as good as they are for the first quarter of the season? I think you have to give Kemba Walker a lot of credit, obviously, for the way that he's stepped in and uh, kind of found a rhythm extremely early with this team. It's a different kind of team than any of the Hornets ones that he played for with a lot more playmakers on it. And it's not just all on his shoulders every night, but I, I think he's found a way to still maintain a pretty high usage rate and be super efficient within that role and kind of get other guys involved and let them feel comfortable. Uh, but I, I don't think it's just him, though. Like, I, I look at the defense Marcus Smart has played all year, oftentimes matched up against big men. Like, there's a 6'3 guy that we've seen defending centers and, and power forwards on a regular basis and uh, handling that extremely well. We've seen Jason Tatum uh, take massive strides on the defensive end. Jalen Brown take massive strides on the offensive end, uh, I, I think partially due to just them having fewer playmakers that they did last year and also due to him, like, like genuinely improving over the course of last summer when you look at uh, his ball handling. So th- this goes up and down the roster. I think this, this team has a much similar identity to every other Celtics team Brad Stevens has coached aside from last year in that they are overachieving, in that they are unselfish, and in that they are extremely good uh, defensively and disciplined on that end every single night. Like the, the the one thing I remember from last year's Celtics team beyond all the drama is Brad Stevens kind of lamenting the fact that he couldn't count on them to do the little things on, on a night-to-night basis. He couldn't count on them being focused on a night-to-night basis. And that is not something that we have heard out of Stevens this year whatsoever. Well, the Knicks are actually hanging in there, and they may be able to find a way to win in Mike Miller's debut as Knicks head coach. We will let you get back to it. Enjoy the fourth quarter. James, thanks for hopping on. You know we'll be in touch plenty. Talk to you again. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.